be something to go home with, something that she can work with, and then we'll see in the future what could be done. Um, Baruch Hashem, the class was very, very well received. I got a lot of feedback. And again, I want to thank the Gindis for giving us this opportunity. So many people felt like they grew from it. And I even heard some people implemented some of the things that we said. So Baruch Hashem, it was very well received. Now, one comment I got, which I want to talk about a little bit, was that someone said the rabbi spends a lot of time understanding the problems, but doesn't give us so many quick solutions. So, and that's the truth. And I'm going to try to explain to you, and you'll understand more as we go through the class today, why that is very, very important. The more a person understands the problem, the solution kind of falls into place by itself. The main thing is to understand the problems. There is a a statement made by the rabbis. It's called, She'elat hacham, the question of a wise man, Hatsi teshuva is half the answer. Meaning the more a wise person thinks about the question, that already leads him to the solution. So the problem, understanding the problem more and more, leads somebody to the solution. There was a statement made by one of the Hachmeh Umot HaOlam, but it's a very true statement, where he said, if he's faced with a world problem, and he's given 60 minutes to find the solution to that problem, he will spend 55 minutes on the problem and 5 minutes on the solution. So today I'm going to try to, that you should understand this, because the point of these classes is to give you the skills to do things on your own. And the more one is able to understand the problem, then the solution kind of falls into, its, uh, into place by itself. It's not that hard. Okay? So we have a tendency to group all questions, all problems into one group. Like, why does my child have chutzpah? Or how do I deal with chutzpah? You know, that's a very broad thing. But when we learn to break it up and see behind the scenes of why this kid's having chutzpah, you'll see that there is a tremendous amount of different variables to the same problem. And therefore, the solution will be different. So we, we don't want to group things together. We really want to understand the problems very well. And we want to see past the surface. We want to be able to see what's behind the problem, what's causing the problem. And the more we understand, the more we'll be able to come up with the right solutions to the problem. Okay, so you'll kind of understand this concept as we go along today in the class, and you'll get it a little bit clearer. It's very important to understand that. Now, There's also another important thing which I'm going to try to give you some understanding of this idea, which is very important for you to be able to do your job as a parent. There's something called, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a brain, but we all lump it together. It's one brain. But really there's three brains. A person really has three brains. And each brain is a totally different brain. 
And a person can be a genius in one brain and virtually nothing going on in the other one. The three brains that we have, the Rambam talks about it, the Gaon talks about it, is we have one part of our brain called Sechel Iuni. Sechel Iuni means the brain that's needed to understand learning. Iun, theoretical knowledge. Then there's a brain called Sechel Maasi, to understand how to actually do things. Certain talents, cooking, whatever it is that you do, there's a talent to it. There's a certain understanding to it. That's a sechel ma'asi. And then there's the third brain, which is very, very important for our subject, which is called sechel ha'machshava. Sechel ha'machshava means understanding people. There's a separate brain which you have, which is understanding people and being able to relate to people, relate to people's problems, and be able to communicate with people, that's called sechel hamachshava. And sometimes you see people that are brilliant in learning, and brilliant in understanding. But when it comes to sechel hamachshava, there's nobody home. So we need to learn how to think. I'm going to try to give you a little bit of a direction that you learn how to think. So the more you understand problems, the more you're able to take apart a problem, the more you can think, then you'll be able to relate to the chinuch process. That's what we want to try to do, okay? As much as we can in the short session. So let me give you a general outline of what I want to do t- today. I want to talk about there's two types of parenting. There's one type of parenting called proactive parenting. Proactive parenting means parents who take the initiative to do chinuch to their children before there's any issues. Proactive. They are proactive mechanchem. And we'll see, I'm going to discuss it, that really there's two parts to proactive parenting. We call it direct chinuch, directly, like if we're trying to communicate to the child something that he or she needs to do, direct communi- direct chinuch, and then there's something called indirect chinuch, things that you do in your house which will affect your child, but not directly. Okay, I'll explain everything to you. So there's proactive parenting, and in proactive parenting, there's two categories, direct and indirect, which we'll talk about. Then there's parents that are what we call reactive parents. They don't do any chinuch until a problem comes up, and then they react to the problem. Okay? So we want to stay away from reactive parenting, and I'm going to explain all that to you. Obviously, sometimes you're going to have to be a reactive parent, but we want to focus on becoming proactive parents. That way we don't have issues in the first place. I have sometimes parents reach out to me in situations like they like at lost already. You know, the child is, uh, he really wants the haircut that's not the haircut of a ben Torah, and he wants to dress very trendy and expensive clothing, and he needs money to go out and eat in the restaurants, and he wants the iPhone, and he, he wants this technology and that thing. 
and he's already in a whole different program. He's getting up late on Shabbat. He wants to pray in the minyan, the late minyan, where they have an unbelievable kiddush with plenty of alcohol and all these kind of things. You know, you don't want to wear the hat. He's already in a place where the parents are at wit's end because if they try to have a conversation with the kid, it always ends up in an argument and a fight. Or they're just going to give in and just swallow it and suffer in silence because they can't open their mouth because they don't know what to say. So, and that's very painful for parents to watch their children go drift away from the way they were, they were raised. And there's nothing they can do about it. And that's without talking about the financial strain that it puts on parents when their kids have these kind of issues. So in many, many cases, I can't say every case, but in many, many, many cases, this could have been avoided with proactive parenting. Because most of these kids, or many of these kids, I don't want to say everybody or put specific numbers on it, but many, many kids are struggling with low self-esteem, not feeling loved, not feeling accepted or belonging in the environment that they are in. And there's people outside that are more respectful to them and accept them for who they are. And there's all kinds of deeper issues that if the nurture of the child would have been in a proper way, then we wouldn't be standing at this place right here right now where it's much more complicated to deal with it. So that's what I'm trying to explain to you. We want to do as much proactive parenting as possible so we could avoid problems down the road. It's true the streets are very bad and there's a lot of stuff going on out there. However, the healthier child you have and the better parenting that you did, less of a chance that he's going to be interested in what's going on out there. Okay? So that's why we have to understand that proactive parenting is a key idea that we need to get. Now, in order to do proactive parenting properly, there's a few things that you need to know. Okay? There's a certain realities that you need to know. Realities. And if you don't know these realities, you cannot be a parent. These are realities that you need to know. There is stages. A child's growth is stages. The stage is the first three years, then the next couple of years, each stage through adolescence to young adult. There's stages in their growth. And each stage is developing something different. And each stage they have certain abilities and certain needs. And if we're unaware of that, then we could really make mistakes in parenting. Okay, I'll give you some examples. For example... The Gemara says something. We all want to discipline our kids and we all want to make sure that they learn good, right? So the Gemara says that the age that we begin teaching our child Torah is six years old. That's the age that we start teaching our children Torah. And pre one they're like olive bays, you know, but the real learning, we really start teaching them at six years old. However, the Gemara says... Until 12 years old, if your kid doesn't want to learn or he's lazy or he's like not really doing what he's up to do, do not discipline him. So that's a chidush to us, you know. People don't know that. 
That's a gemara. That means if you're not aware of the reality of children, then you can make mistakes. There's, there's a different gemara that says that on Shabbat, you're not allowed to learn to the light of the candle. Halakha and Hilchot Shabbat. So today we don't really have this so prevalent, but that's the halakha. You can't learn to the light of a candle. The reason is because the light might start dimming, and then the person will bend the candle to read, and that's the isur daoraita. To bend the candle, make the flame go stronger. But the Gemara says, by children you don't have the issue. And the Mephashim explained, because the kid is waiting for the candle to go out. So that's the nature from children. And you have to understand that. They are not, you can't fight that nature 100%. And you have to know at what age they're able to handle certain types of discipline. That's a reality that you need to know about. Okay? Let's say another example. There's a few, I'll just give you a couple examples. For example, children, this is a whole sugya, but... You have to know that this is a reality and why Hashem made it this way is a whole explanation. But children are born, we all know, you, I'm sure you all have children here, that when the child is born, when the baby is born, the baby starts crying. Like screaming or crying, that's normal thing. Now the real reason why that's happening is, it says in Sefarim, because the child is actually going through a tremendous trauma. Okay? That means, the Gemara says, when the baby's in the mother's stomach, he's the happiest kid in the world. He's living in, like, Gan Eden. And he has a Malach teaching him Torah. And he's still connected very much with spirituality. And he has unbelievable attachments to Hashem. And all of a sudden, he gets ripped out of that world and put into a world that's totally different. He's lost. And that trauma, it's very traumatic. And the only thing that soothes the child from that trauma is the touch of the mother. That's why they give the mother the baby right away. The touch and the nurture of the mother. Now, from that moment on, the child has a fear of abandonment. That's second on. The child has a fear of being abandoned. Okay? That's a reality. And that's why it's very, very much important that in the first few years of the child's life that they're close to an adult being taken care of, caretaker. Now, because of this reality, Rab Shach, I'm sure you've heard of him, he was one of the Gedolei Torah who passed away a number of years ago. Rab Shach said, a mother, before she decides on a babysitter for her child, Someone who's going to be the caretaker for the child, let's say, while she works. They should be careful in the first place to find the right one because you should not change from babysitter to babysitter. Why is that? Because once the child has an attachment to that babysitter and that environment, if you're going to move them out of that, that will reawaken the fear of abandonment. That's a reality. Someone has to know that reality. These are very important realities to be aware of. I'll give you another example. There is a three stages where a child, three phases we'll call it, where a child tries to break away from the authority of the parents to gain some independence. And each phase is a little different and for a different reason. 
But there are three phases of that. So if you're not aware of those three phases, you will try to do something which may not be correct or maybe not be right. So the first phase is at three years old. That's the first phase. The second phase is somewhere around eight and nine years old. And the third phase is around 13, you know, through adolescence. So you have to be aware of these realities to understand what's going on with your kid and what, how you're supposed to respond. So again, I just gave you a couple of quick ideas. And I'm actually going to introduce to you a, a book here. I brought it in so I could show it to you. Okay? This is a very, very good read for everybody. I suggest it. I don't know. You don't have to read it, obviously. But that's a suggestion. This book is called... They came out with it in English. I had originally bought this book in Hebrew... Binyan Nefesh Adam, very uh, high-level Hebrew, but now they made it in English, so it's a very good book. This book is written by a rabbi. It's not written by him. It's written by his students. His name is Reb Shlomo Hoffman, okay? The name of the book in English is Building the Human Spirit, okay? So this rabbi was a phenomenal rabbi. He was a great, great rabbi in Eretz Yisrael that all the Gidolim used to discuss the problems of Chinuch with this rabbi, okay? So in this book, in the first 133 pages of this book, he takes you through year by year, the stage by stage, and all that I just told you in short, he has it from the moment of birth till the age of 20. So I would suggest that if someone wants to be more learned in this concept that I'm telling you, is that they should look at the book, they should read the book, and it's not a, like a novel, you know, you have to read it good, it's a safer. You have to think about what he's saying, and especially the age that you're working with, you should know it well. It's very important. So I think that's like step number one. When it comes to proactive parenting, you should know the stages of the kid, what his needs are, what his abilities are, what he can handle, what he can handle, that's a very, very important thing. And what's normal, normal behavior, so you don't get too alarmed or overdo it. A woman came to me after the last class and she said, listen, you know, this class is unbelievable, but we have a large, uh, you know, a big spectrum of ages over here. And she's like, I want you, maybe if you could talk about my little baby girl, you know, she's maybe two years old, and, and I want to, you know, teach her some tough love or whatever it is, you know. So before you do anything, you need to understand your child well and the stage they're in and if that's necessary or not necessary. That's like, you can't make up your own stuff. You have to really know the realities, okay? That's very important. Now, another thing that we have to know is also, like we mentioned in the past, personality. You have to know your children's personality. So, some are very, very sensitive. And that's a reality that they were created with that sensitivity. And you need to know how to deal with that and communicate with that sensitivity. Sometimes you can't tell right away. I'll give you like a mashal to understand that. That, uh, let's say you have a glass cup. And then you have like, the, they make glass goblets, so to speak, like looks exactly like glass, but it's plastic. 
So you don't know the difference until it falls down and it shatters, right? So sometimes when somebody shatters, you have to know that that is sensitive person, okay? So it's very important that you um, become familiar with different personalities and how to communicate to them, okay? So for this, I'm also going to give you a book to read because I'm not here all the time to give you all these things. So at least I give you some homework that you can, you know, do on your own, okay? So the name of the book, I think, is called How to Get Along with Everyone. It's written by a rabbi. His name is Rabbi Shimon Gruen, okay? This rabbi is a tremendous tamihacham, a very, very brilliant person who deals very much with Shalom Bayit, because personalities has a lot to do with that, and Chinuch. I speak to this, I communicate with him a lot through email, but I communicate with him uh, very often. He's a very wise man and uh, a very learned man and very impressive of his pikhut. His name is Rabbi Shimon Gruen. I believe the name of his book is How to Get Along with Everyone. Okay, I think that's what the book is called. It's a book that deals with personalities. Okay, so that's a good book in general to have because communications requires understanding the personality. So, especially a very sensitive child, it would be important to know how to communicate with that child. Instead of getting angry and upset and frustrated, it's not worth it. Okay, so again, let's just let's recap for a second. So again. We, we, we're trying to work on proactive parenting and not put the main emphasis on reactive parenting because reactive parenting always comes after the problems. And after the problems come up, it's much more complicated. So we want to try to avoid as much problems as possible. The second problem with reactive parents, just to bring this out, is that Reactive parents usually don't have too many tools in the tool shed of how to deal with problems. Okay, they usually know about shouting, punishing, something like that. That's like about as many tools as they got. It's like a person has, for example, if you have only one tool in your house, you have a hammer. Okay, if you're going to fix all the problems in your house with the hammer, you'll probably do way more damage than fixing. So when parents don't have skills or tools other than being tough, getting upset, punishing, that's like, a, like it's basically the same tool. So they only have one tool. When you're going to be a proactive parent, you're going to learn different skills. The more skills you have and the more tools you have, then you know which tool to use when. Okay, so that's very important. We want to do proactive. So we said step one for proactive parenting is to understand the various stages that a child goes through. Okay? And that I introduced to you this book, Building the Human Spirit. The second thing is, I said, was understanding personalities. That's mainly needed for difficult personalities. So... It's important if you have a child that has a little bit of a difficult personality, this would be an important thing for you to read, Rabbi Gruen's book. I think that would be very helpful for you. Unfortunately, I don't know a lot about books or material. I don't really have time to read anything. I happen to know these two books. Most of what I know for the Chinuch classes is really comes from general 
learning general svarim that deal with avodat Hashem, benav mechaver, etc. Yes. Get along with everyone. Okay. Get along with everyone. Thank you. That's the book. Okay. So I don't really have like uh, books that I read on this topic. So I, I, you know, but this is I know these two books I read, and these two books are very good, and I think that they will be very beneficial for you. Okay. The third thing is we have to know a little bit the challenges of your generation, you know. You have to understand what your kids go through. You got to get it. You have to relate to it. Because if you don't relate to their challenges, then they don't feel like there's anybody home and there's nobody that understands them. So that's something that would be important, okay, to try to... Now, obviously, I don't expect you to go out to the street and try all the funny things that they have out there and then relate to it. But it's a lot of listening and paying attention to what kids are challenged with today. The kids are way more knowledgeable than once upon a time with social media and all kinds of technology. Things get around. So you got to be aware of that. Okay? So those are the three things. Now, I spoke about before that there's direct parenting which is more like the discipline and the authority and all that kind of stuff. That's directly, dealing with the kid directly. But there's also indirect parenting. And I'm going to tell you why indirect parenting is extremely important, okay? Human nature. Human nature is that if I know someone is deliberately trying to change me, make me behave in a certain way, then my nature is to try to get out of that. When I know that someone actively is trying to do something like that, then I will be much more careful not to listen. So if I create an environment that the kid kind of doesn't even realize that he's going to change, that he's going to grow, he doesn't even realize it, then he'll do it. Especially that the nature of man, man, woman, same thing, nature of human beings is to adapt to the environment you're in. Okay? Like in our community. What everybody does, everybody does, right? So you do like everybody. That's how we are. That's the nature of people. So if you're going to create an environment that the kid likes to be in that environment, then and that environment is going to train that child in certain things, then it's going to be very good for the kid. I'll give you two stories, whatever, one story and one thing that I heard from a Gadol. I once heard from a Gadol, his name was Reb Yitzchak Shiner. That was his name. He passed away. He was the grandson of Reb But he was a great, great, great rabbi. And he once spoke over here in Deal, actually, in Rabbi Diamond's Kolel. And he said... Some things could be taught, some things you could teach your kids, and some things need to be caught. That means it's not direct, it's indirect, they just pick it up. There's things they have to pick up from their parents, it's not things that you teach directly. So that's a very important part of Chinuch. Another one is a story, which if you remember last time I spoke, I told you that I brought my Rebbe, Rabbi Simcha Shustel, to Avenue J. Torah Center. And in that time, somebody came over to the rabbi 
And he said to him, Can I please have a biracha that my son should become a Talmud Hakam? That was the question. That was the request. So the rabbi said, I'll bless you, but I want you to know something. In Kiryat Shema, you say, Vishinantum Levanecha. You teach your children. And then it says, Bishiftecha Bibetecha. Ublechtecha Baderech. Ubshochbecha Vkumecha. Which means you study Torah when you get up, when you go to sleep, when you travel. He said, if your son will see that you, the father, gets up early in the morning to learn, comes home from work, goes to learn. On Sunday he goes to learn. If learning is something by the father, then it will be something by the kid. Okay? That means there's a certain amount that cannot come from a speech. It has to come from the vibes of the home, we'll call it. So that's why doing indirect parenting, which I'm going to explain to you what that is, is going to help them soak in all these things from the house, which they need to. They very, very much need to. And I'm going to even show you something very unique in this, which is Nogaya to direct parenting as well. Because we know that, of course, you can't have a double standard. So if you ask your child to do something, you can't be a hypocrite and not be doing it yourself, right? That's for sure, right? That's what it says in the Mishnah. Lo midrash haikar el Don't give speeches. Show by way of example, and then you can ask somebody, right? So simply that means as follows. I'm going to give you like a marshal to understand. Let's say on a scale from 1 to 10, okay? The parents are on the religious level of number 5, okay? Average religious people, number 5. The child is on, let's say, number 3. So the parents say, okay, you can't have a double standard, so I'm only going to ask you, my child, to be on my level. Number five. I'm not going to ask you to be a six, a seven. You know, that's asking you more than I'm doing. So I'm not going to be hypocritical. I'm going to ask you to do what I'm doing. Number five. But that's also hypocritical. You know why? To tell you why? Because when you're telling the kid to go from three to five, you're telling him to change and to work on himself. But you don't change and you don't work on yourself. So you're asking the child to do more than you do. Okay. These are very important things that kids pick up on in the environment of the home, okay? So the part of the education that you're giving your kids is, yes, we work on ourselves too. Life is not always so great for us, and there's difficult situations for us as well. And sometimes we, uh, you know, there's things that make us upset and we're not happy, but we're able to control ourselves. They pick up those type of things as well. So again, so the chashivut for Torah, the different lessons that you want to teach them, that's going to be indirect teaching. But the only way they're going to accept the indirect teaching is if this home is a place that's loving home. Children need to feel loved. It's very important that children feel loved. Now don't think that your child is what we call in the yeshiva world, alamdin. You know what alamdin is? Someone who can figure things out. Like, if my mother gets up six in the morning to make breakfast for me, 
and she takes me to school, and she goes to clean this for me, and she does this. She must love me. Must be. They are not lamdanim. They don't know that you love them unless you tell them, express it openly. You understand? Especially children are by nature egocentric. You know what egocentric means? Egocentric means they have a sense of self, only themselves. Egocentric. The egocentric is the reason for that. It's a beracha why they are egocentric, because they have to explore their world, and they have to not be influenced by other people's opinions. They have to be able to experience life themselves. There's a whole reason behind it. But they are egocentric, and their opinion is the only thing that matters. And they think they take it for granted that everybody should be fascinated by them and excited with them. And they're so important, and the way they think is so important. So, of course, if you're working so hard for them, of course, someone as special as me, you should. You understand? doesn't mean you love me. You have to express it. Express love is very, very important. The children need to feel needed. They need to feel needed. Not just like another redundant human being in the world. They need to feel needed. When you compliment your children, you have to compliment them in a unique way. That means if your kid comes home from school and your kid got a hundred on the test, let's say, you don't say, wow, that's unbelievable, you got a hundred on the test. That's generic. That's not unique. You look at the test and then you see a question on the test, you say, wow. When I was your age, I didn't know that answer. I would fail that question. So now that's unique. You understand? That builds self-esteem as well. So they need to feel loved. They need to feel unconditionally loved. You see, that's a very important point. Because sometimes when we criticize a kid or give them musad or whatever you want to call it, they may take that. And you have to be very, very careful with that. They may take that, that you have a problem with them as a person. Not with a thing that was done. You have a problem with them as a person, okay? And they may take it as your love for them is based on behavior. If they're a good kid, you love them. You're not a good kid, go jump in the lake. And that is a very bad message. It's unconditional love. I may not be happy with what you're doing this second, but the love is unconditioned, and the whole person is a good person. So th- these are like small things that are part of indirect parenting that has to be a clear, sincere vibe of the house. That's a ne- necessity. That's an absolute necessity that that should be there. So like I told you, if the environment is that, that's the environment of the home, they're going to learn a lot of things from the home. And the advantage of learning a lot of things from the home is that you don't have to do direct chinuch. Because then you're dealing with the Yetzirah. When you do direct chinuch, there's part of a person who wants to rebel, doesn't want to be told what to do, so therefore you're dealing with that. Okay? So we're clear so far? The main idea here, we're trying to get just a quick summary. I don't even know how long I'm talking here for. I hope it's not too long. Okay, let me just get, let me summarize quickly this point. Again, we want to get, we want to be proactive parents. And like we said, Proactive parents requires a certain amount of education. And, be, and that's very much understanding. 
Okay? Otherwise, you won't know what you're doing. You have to be educated. So educated in understanding the stages, educated in understanding personalities, educated in understanding what kids are actually going through. If you're going to come home and talk about Zionism, nobody cares about Zionists, you know? It's not, not our fight, okay? It has to be relevant to what they, what they deal with. And a child has to know that indirectly, how much he's really loved and has to be expressed, and has to be expressed sincerely. Because if it's not sincere, they can pick up on that. It has to be sincere. It has to be expressed sincerely. They have to feel needed. So it's good to give your kid a job, something to make him feel needed. Give him one job, you know. He polishes the, the cup for the kiddush. I don't know, whatever it is. He needs to feel needed. That's an important thing. He's not a redundant child. He's needed in this world. And the love is unconditional. That's a very important thing. He has to feel unconditional love. He has to be able to feel heard, understood, validated. Okay, which we're going to talk about in a second a little bit more. So this is all dealing with the proactive parenting. Now, sometimes we have to be reactive parents as well because things come up. Sometimes things come up and we have to know how to react to it. Now, this is, again, understanding how to understand the problem better. So let's give a quick example. Uh, parents not that, don't have that much money. They, uh, the kid wants a bike. They go to the flea market or something like that. They pick up a bike for $50. It's a nice bike, good condition, but it's a used bike. And they give it to that kid, and the kid is totally happy with it, totally fine with that. Excited, unbelievable, great. The problem is that two, three days later, when he takes it to school, and all his friends have $400 bikes, and somebody made a comment to him that, oh, that must be a flea market bike, you know? So now the kid comes home, and he says, I don't want the bike, I want a different bike. Okay, so now that's a simple scenario. Could come up in a hundred different ways, but we'll just take that as a mashal. Okay, so the first thing is what you don't do. <laughs> what you definitely do not do is suppress or suffocate or trivialize his feelings. That's for sure what you don't do. Okay, and I want to try to explain that to you. It's a very deep point in in general in avodat Hashem. It's a very deep point, and it's. Very much connected to what I told you before about Seichel HaMachshava. Our job is to understand the mind of a little person. That means right now this kid feels like his friends are, he's not going to make it with his friends. There's feelings, there's deeper feelings behind the bike. There's much deeper feelings. His friends are making fun of him, he's not the cool guy in the class. You know, maybe he has a little low self-esteem to start with, he needed the bike. There's a deeper step there. There's a deeper step there. And you have to hear him. And you got to understand him. And you have to validate that thing. And you have to validate him that it was not nice what his friend told him. He has to be understood, very, very well understood. And I want to tell you something, because really, we go through the exact same things, just on a more mature way, the exact same thing. So we have to understand the, what we call the lumdus, like we said before, to understand what is actually going on in the kid, what he's going through. We go through similar things in our world, so we can relate. It's just that our world is a little bit more mature, the stuff that we deal with. But we also deal with these feelings, so we have to be able to put ourselves in the kid's feelings. That's step one. 
Not to suffocate the feelings. Not say, it's only a bite. Come on. Or who cares what people say? Well, I don't know if you don't care what people say about you in your world. So, all of a sudden you became like above people's opinions. You have no sensitivity. You're like Mr. Perfect. It doesn't make sense. But but in your world, a bike, like who cares what my friends say about my bike? But that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with his world. So you have to identify with the reality of the feelings which are real. They're real feelings. And you have those type of feelings in your world too. Now, to go tell the kid, yes, I'll give you the bike, no problem. I'll, we'll go get you a $400 bike. We want you to be happy. That's also wrong. I'll explain to you why. Not because you're spoiling them. That's not the point. The point why that's wrong is because you're sending your kid a message. Whenever there's a problem, just change the situation. And then everything is good. You don't have the right bike? We'll get you the right bike. Now, that's bad. Because in life, situations are not going to always be good. You have to deal with things. So you want to educate your child on how to deal with something. So by, by getting him the new bike, it's not dealing with you, just switching the situation. So you have to be a little creative. I'll just give you a muscle. I mean, you have to know your child and all that. But the first thing is you have to understand the child and what he's feeling. And you have to validate those feelings. That's number one. And once the kid sees that, they're willing to work with you. They're willing to work with you. And then you could say, you know what, maybe we can go to the store and get you lights, you know, like a lot of kids, they like like sirens and lights on their bikes. Get you a good horn, maybe like a, like a, something that you can speak into. It has like a projection, you know, whatever it is. We can dress it up. We can make it unique. That's different that your friends don't have that, and it'll be cool in a different way, you know. We'll deal with the problem. Try to deal with the problem. Maybe you can discuss possibilities of getting a bike in the future, you understand? But that's just a muscle. So again, you see why understanding the problems are very important because it depends on your kid. If your kid's a very sensitive kid and he's very, very sensitive to public opinion, you know you got to know this guy and what he's going through and you have to be able to validate that and you have to be able to you know, identify how that could work in your world. How does that fit in your world? I once had a story of myself when I was young, like you, you know, starting out. And my son lost his ball in the bushes, you know. He had a blue ball and he lost it in the bushes, you know. And it was just one of those days where things are flying, right? So I come home from Kolel and kids didn't do the homework and whatever it is. There's a lot going on. And then this kid comes in and he's like, my ball. So for the first, your initial reaction is like, it's a ball. You know what I'm saying? We have more important things to deal with right now. But then it hit me at that moment. Imagine a guy walked into my house right now. As everything is flying and my wife needs my help and the kids need this. And right? a guy would walk into the house and say, tell me that his wife is sick. He lost his job. He's having tzadot. Right? He's, he's, he's anxious. He's worried. How is he going to pay his bills? What is he going to do? Anxious. So, of course, I would stop everything that's going on. I would give the guy two minutes. Be a mensch. Hear him out. He's anxious. Calm him down a little bit. Say, okay, let me see what I can do. Maybe I can help you out. Maybe I can call somebody, right? And then go back. So the kid, in his little world of his blue ball, he's also anxious and worried what's going to happen with that ball. 
So you could stop and listen to that and say, okay, I understand. Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to go outside and I'll deal with it. We'll figure it out. Because that's identifying with a human being. But if you just push him out and say, it's a ball. You know what I'm saying? In the big picture of life, what's a ball? You know what I'm saying? That's not good. So this is Seichel HaMachshavah. Because Seichel HaMachshavah means understanding people that are different than you. That are on a different stage of life than you are. That are on a different level of maturity that you are. So it's understanding them and then seeing how that's similar to you. And then you speak to them the way you would want people to speak to you. So the way you would speak to them, that's the way you want people to speak. That's Seichel HaMachshavah. That's an understanding. And the more intense the problem, if you take it apart and you have patience and you understand your kid and you validate, then we can come up with ideas. Not just switch the problem. Because then you're not teaching them the skills of life. Okay, so that's, in summary, this is what we touched today. I think that's very, very important. Yesodot. I hope it was clear. And again, I introduced to you two, two things. This book and the book of Rabbi Gruen. Now, there's one last thing. I have in my kolel, every Thursday night, almost every Thursday night, I have something called a vad. You know what a vad means? Vad means a gathering. So every Thursday night, I gather together with the avrechim from the kolel, the, the married men from the kolel in my conference room, and I do a question-answer series with them. One or two questions per Thursday night. These are questions that are submitted by the boys anonymously, so you could ask what's on your mind. And it's a very open, honest, hashkafa, back and forth conversation. Now, I've been doing this for quite some time, and we touched many, many areas, obviously, of chinuch and shalom bayit and other areas that are uh, that pertain to young Avrechim. So recently, one of my students... His name is Yosef Iran. He was actually the one who was setting up the, the machine before. Had undertaken to do something which is a phenomenal project. And Bezat Hashem, he should have the koach to do it. And uh, be able to get the financing for it. He ch- decided to put this out for the general public. That means to write the question, answer for the general public in areas that are nogeya. So, you know, to take it from the way it was said in that kind of casual conversation, to make it clear, precise, and bring out the depth, uh, you know, that was an undertaking he did, which I feel that people will have a benefit from it. Now, it happens to be that I think they were able to get it here for the first first printing. I think it should be by the time you're done. I don't know if it got here yet, but uh, it was supposed to be, and not the card card something else. No one tells me about that, by the way. You know, they just send me questions and now i got to give another class, which is fine. So, um, no, but he he brought, it should be coming from the printing now, so on your way out should be the pamphlet of the first two question answers, which I hope that you'll have a benefit from. So at least I I feel like I left you with something. You know, even if this is going to be the last class, but at least I left you with reading material and stuff that you could continue doing uh, on your own. Like uh, Mrs. Gindi mentioned, there was a card I noticed on the way in that says that, uh, what does it say exactly on the card? Let me see. <laughs> uh, no, just the updated on future classes. Oh, updated on future classes. So I guess we'll try to do something going in the future. 
And uh, usually I just get called and said, okay, you're giving a class. So, <laughs> okay, so Bezat Hashem, this was good for you, and we should all have tremendous siyat and with our children, like I mentioned in the opening statement from the first class that we had, that the most important thing by us is family life. That is the thing that helps us go through the whole galut until Mashiach, is family life. So Shalom Bayit and Chinuch, very important. That's what holds us strong through all the difficult challenges of the world. So Bezat Hashem, we should all have Nahat from your children. Amen.